Welcome to On Texas Football Rapid Reaction. I've got uh, Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com here with me. Uh, Justin, the Longhorns yesterday, uh, they put one on the Sooners unlike any we've seen before. Texas defeating uh, OU 49 to nothing. Uh, the Sooners absolutely dominated. Your initial thoughts? That was uh, a beatdown of biblical proportion. Uh, I thought our man Rod Babers, you know, said it best in, in his tweet right before the end of the game. That was Old Testament style beating. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's funny, Bobby, because I think our collective staff felt like Texas really had every matchup in this regard that they should have won the game and in a pretty convincing fashion, but not knowing, you know, that you're not having the solidarity of the quarterback throughout the week, not knowing how good yours is going to be coming off, you know, having a, a three, four day, you know, layover, things of that sort. Bobby, I don't think we, you, you, me, or any Texas fans could have expected anything more than what we saw. The only people I think that expected it were the players because there was a lot of last year playing really well in the first half buildup and kind of losing it in the second half and, and, and kind of they wanted to shake that off. And also don't remember, this was a group as a whole, most of them had never beaten Oklahoma before. And we know as being a Texas football player, being a lifer, they love to absolutely have a win over Oklahoma, you know, in their bag. And so my gut reaction is, is just like anybody else's. Wow. Quinn Ewers. Wow. Bijan. Wow. The play calling. Wow. But guess what? PK. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, uh, I almost felt like Oklahoma waved the white flag in the second half trying to run the, the Wildcat. I'd never seen that from an Oklahoma football team, and I've been uh, following uh, the Longhorns versus Oklahoma for 35 years on a professional level, or 30 years on a professional level, and 35 years if you include college. So I'd never, ever, ever seen that before. Uh, before we get too far into this, I've got to thank our sponsor, Bertolatus Rodman, the law firm at Bertolatus Rodman. Uh, it's about the relationships. The full service firm specializes in business and real estate law, satisfying the needs of a startup to a complex negotiations of a bigger business to every contract needed in between. Bertolatus Rodman develops lasting, meaningful relationships that put their clients first. Um, Justin, if there was any concern going into this game about the Longhorns. It's that Hudson Card had played pretty well the last couple of games, the last three or four games, really. Correct. So why does Steve Sarkeesian upset the apple cart and go with Quinn Ewers? I think we got our answer on, on Saturday. They're just different with Quinn, Bobby. I think we sense that, you know, for that first few games and in, into the Alabama game. And then obviously with the injury, you, you kind of lose that that vision because you just don't know really was that really what we were seeing. Um, but Sark, I think, knew the whole time exactly what his vision of this offense was. And it was predicated on the arm of Quinn Ewers. And if we needed any more proof, we saw it today. You're right. I mean, it was Quinn's the guy. He's this offense is just different with him. You know, I, I don't think the players play any harder than they do with Card. Obviously, you know, he, he's a locker room favorite. But at the end of the day, Quinn just makes throws, Bobby, that just seem effortless. And they move the chains. And even when he makes a mistake, which is not very often, he blows it off and comes back with another big play. He has a lot of that. Um, he just, you know, doesn't let the, the small stuff bother him. And, and he really... It's, I, I think we've ran out of words, Bobby. The kid is just a natural passer. 
And, and we're seeing some incredible quarterback play. And so I think that's why this debate is over. I think Sark has stayed with his guy. And I think, you know, even though he's been practicing the last few weeks, maybe that's why he looked this sharp, Bobby. Maybe that that rest did help him a little bit. Plus, we you know, we've reported for two weeks he's been throwing the football during practice. He's been active with the ones and twos. And so at the end of the day, Quinn, you, you see the gap. Hudson's a good quarterback and could be really good down the road. There's a gap. Quinn Ewers might be in a, a category of his own. We're looking at those uh, the stats uh, right now from uh, yesterday's game. And, and, Justin, the thing that, that strikes me as we look at the, the passing yards for Quinn Ewers, the rushing yards for Bijan, Roshan, and even Jonathan Brooks and, and Keelan Robinson, what strikes me is the time Quinn Ewers got the yards the guys got uh, in the in the run game. This offensive line for Texas, either OU is really bad up front, which is possible, given yes. they've lost three consecutive Big 12 games now. Either OU is really bad up front or Texas is starting to get better or perhaps is a little bit of both. I, I think it's probably – I'll ride the fence. It's a little bit of both. This Oklahoma team has some talent. They just don't have an identity or a vision or any momentum right now. That's the way that breaks down. Two years of Lincoln Riley cramming into the portal and bringing all those guys to Norman, I think have crippled the overall depth, at, you know, position to position for Oklahoma's team right now. And I think that's what Venables is kind of suffering through. But, you know, the, the D-line still has talent. I really feel like – Texas O-line is playing better. You know, we reported for the last few days that Inside Texas talking about the, the cohesiveness of these guys that are getting. It's so rare that young, young guys, you know, don't have a ton of penalties. And I think there was a statement play in that first quarter by uh, left tackle freshman Kelvin Banks. He had, a, he, had a, he had his guy locked up, and it went back and forth. And Banks was told, you know, this isn't just a football game. This is a fist fight. And he wasn't backing down from anything. And to me, I want, I want to say that was on the second drive. That, to me, I think people fed off that. I think fans fed off that. And, and you know, this, like I said earlier, this bunch came in really confident, and justifiably so. We see where that confidence came from. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's a little bit of both. Texas O-line's playing a little bit better. They're, they've started, what, five, six games all together, the same, same lineup. Used to not say that a lot in Austin for the last 10 years or so. And then on the other side, OU's down. Their defense is down. But I'm not going to forgive Venable's guys giving up. I'm not going to forgive a defensive-minded guy not having an answer for anything Sark did. Yeah, I, I tell you what. Um, I felt like they controlled the line of scrimmage for the most part. Texas ran for first downs, I think, four or five times uh, in the game, not including Quinn Ewers' scramble. Uh, yeah. So. They they largely controlled the line of scrimmage. I, I'm Almost three hundred yards rushing total. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and they and I thought Sark did a good job. Uh, I spoke with uh, uh, some guys post game, not only Rod but Jerry and Tommy Yarsh and and Justin. They did a good job of staying with the run through all of it. I think that's part of what Quinn Ewers gives Steve Sarkeesian. Um, he gives him more confidence that he can maybe make third and long if they get stopped on on second and or on second and long and don't run into a uh, filled box 
uh, a little bit. I, I, I just I, I get that sense a little bit. He's a little bit more free with his play calling. I want to I want to take take the next step and talk about somebody else now. Um, all off season and even uh, into the spring training, we were talking about Jatavian Sanders being a guy that the light bulb had turned on for. He had remade his body. He's starting to get it, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of times we may say that, and it doesn't come to fruition on the football field, right? Correct. Against Oklahoma yesterday, Jatavian Sanders showed what he'd been working towards. Two touchdown receptions, five catches overall for 71 yards. He is a force in this offense, and I think – Again, Ewers brings it out of him a little bit going down the scene. Bobby, how many tight ends have scored five, caught five touchdown passes in one season in Texas history? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I don't know that. It's not many, and I believe it's David Thomas, and I believe Sanders may have tied the record in week six of the 2022 season. Jatavian Sanders is a guy that, like you said, everything has kind of the, the buildup, the breakout, it's happened. It, it, it's now in the present. There's no more of looking at, well, what he did, this was a no. Now it's an expectation. Now it's a standard. This guy, it, it, and it also shows, you know, I don't think Card came away from him so much, but he certainly didn't rely on him like Quinn does. Quinn values this kid, not just in on third downs. There's a couple plays with motion in the, in, the, in the first half where he wound up coming backside around for Jatavian, and you give that guy a load, I want to say it was one of the third or fourth player of the game, where he goes almost 30, 40 yards down the sideline. That's the way to get him active. And Jatavian has those paws, those big paws. When he hit that inside post for a touchdown, go back. It's not just a great throw. Go back and watch Sanders go up and get it, okay? End of the day, Sanders is doing – this is the expectation people are going to expect now from Jatavian Sanders. Quinn Ewers is healthy, and I, I, I just see them having a simpatico-type relationship. These are two that were throwing the football by themselves in January. Nothing else was going on. They have that connection. Jatavian Sanders is, is becoming that weapon. The more we see this, Bobby, the less I think we're gonna you're gonna see him in Austin for a few more years. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I think that's a fair statement. I I'm a year ago, Xavier Worthy was introduced to the Texas offense and lived up to the hype. This year, Jatavian Sanders is doing the same thing. Um, a little bit different types of players yeah, and positions, yeah, a little different, but very much happening. Uh, it elevates it, and then you add Quinn Ewers to the mix, who's new right. uh, as well. And you just got a you got a nucleus right now of really, really talented offensive players. I'd also, uh, while Xavier Worthy is the one that caught the touchdown pass uh, of the uh, wide receiver group today, uh, Jordan Whittington clearly becoming a favorite target for Quinn Ewers catches five passes uh, for ninety-seven yards. Uh, your offensive MVP goes to. My offensive MVP, I think, what was it last week? I think I gave it to the offensive line. 
last week. I felt like they had a, a big comeback win after a kind of a poor showing against Texas Tech the week before. And that that's, you know, that's phoning it in. That Maybe that wasn't fair. I, but I'm so daggum bureaucratic. Here we go. Uh, offensive MVP could be a bunch of guys. But honestly, I think you have to give it to Quinn Ewers. I think this is a game that – People were thinking, okay, we saw this burst and spark. Is this the same kid? Can he get that back? How much is the injury going to affect him? Blah, blah, blah. That was all erased in like 15 minutes. Quinn Ewers is the MVP because he ran the show. You were talking about earlier, just a little bit, you were talking about earlier about how the offense more so was relying on that run because they know they can go vertical on third if they have to with Quinn. I think it's a shift in some ways. I think Bijan's still the focus, Bobby, and I think that's why they stay with the run because you've got a future first-round draft pick tailback. You know, get as much out of him as you can. Quinn Ewers is benefiting from that. They're, 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 there's such a complimentary mix there. I, it could go Bijan. It could go a couple others. But, yeah, Quinn Ewers, player of the game offensive-wise. I go with I, No, I go the same, Justin. Uh, I, I, I absolutely think he's the one. Uh, he was the st- as you drink out of the straw there. He's the star- straw that stirred the drink today. Or, or, uh, on Saturday, excuse me. He he basically, uh, if we look at it, um, what he did yesterday, Justin, um, he essentially executed to a level that Sark needed to open up the run game for Bijan. Uh, he executed at a level, especially in the red zone, the 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 uh, RPO to Xavier Worthy for a touchdown. Nice throw. The seam route to Sanders. Nice throw. He airmailed one, and that was to uh, uh, that was to, uh, Jordan Whittington. Oh, down okay. the he had one in the backside worthy that was open too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he was late on that, but but all in all, and then he had a, a really poor interception. But all in all, uh, Justin, I think it goes back to what I said at the outset. Um, if I had any reticence about Texas offensively and Steve Sarkeesian going into this game, it, it was around, you know, we've only really seen Quinn Ewers play five quarters or really only three quarters because he only played two quarters against ULM yeah, and one, and one quarter against Alabama. So yes, they were, there were some great plays in that, in that game and we wanted to see it, but Justin, the reality of it was, it was a little bit of a gamble, but uh, Sark's gamble, Paid off forty nine to nothing. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, uh, and really, I, let's let's talk what her primary or, or main takeaways are there. Shut out, shut out. Period. End of uh, that print. Send it to the send it to the press. They pitched a shutout. I think that's the first time Texas has done that. What since nineteen forty five to Oklahoma? 1965, Yep, nineteen sixty five. Bobby. Give those guys a ton of credit. Now, I want to say Oklahoma's offense was a little discombobulated coming into this, especially with the uh, the uncertainty of co- at the quarterback position, who was going to play. There was a handful of different guys taking reps this week that we know about. Uh, and, and also their lack of an offensive explosive guy that they usually have. You know, Marvin Mims is a good receiver. You know, Eric Gray's a good running back, but I wouldn't call him overly explosive. But – the main takeaway is shutout. These guys didn't miss tackles today. That was probably the thing I, I noticed the most, especially in the first half. That back end, Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook played two of the best games they've played. Thompson led the team, tied with Jalen Ford with seven tackles. 
Um, and, you know, the, so, you know, Thompson was, was was bringing hat on the regular basis. I thought Ryan Watts made a couple plays early that were impressive. But overall, overall it was the line of scrimmage. Uh, they, they only gave up 39 yards passing, which is incredible against a Jeff Levy, Baylor-style offense. That's just incredible. And, and, and they rushed for, I believe, 160 yards, and it didn't even seem like that much. Uh, but at the end of the day, this defense just – it did exactly what it needed to. When it bend, when it was bending a little bit, they created a turnover down in the red zone. Those few times where OU got close, they created a turnover. That's something they weren't doing a month ago. They were, constant, they were still getting pressures on the quarterback, three sacks, 11 tackles for loss on the day. But only giving up 39 yards passing to me was probably one of the most impressive in the lack of missed tackles. This was a team that was rallying to the ball, which we've seen – but they weren't missing the first guys. I, I feel like they played team football uh, very well today. They got beat a couple of times. It's it taken by surprise, really, with the Wildcat. I, I think that's a fair, uh, fair discussion. They definitely uh, uh, defended the counter much better this year than a year ago. Ovia Gufu blew up a couple of those. Uh, I saw Justice Finkley blow up one of them, right. uh, the young freshman. Uh, got a got his shot yesterday as well, a little bit earlier in the game uh, than he had previously. Uh, so that was interesting. He played some in the second quarter. Uh, instead of moving Jet Bush down to end, they they put uh, Finkley in and inserted him. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, but all in all, uh, Justin, I, I feel like, um, you know, there were a couple of different things. One is OU is certainly hampered at quarterback. Davis Bevel just is not very good. I mean, there's a reason he was third string at Pitt last year. Um, second thing, though, is, you know, I, we've seen Texas get gashed in the run game before. And except for a couple times where they, they didn't maintain outside uh, leverage, they weren't gashed at all. They weren't gashed up the middle at all. Uh, you know, they there's some no, guys that had some runs. But Farouk's a receiver that led them in rushing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that gives you. And when you bring out the Wildcat in such an early series of a game oh. and then a fake field goal and then uh, try to convert two fourth downs in your first two series, that's a coach waving a flag of panic. You know, that's that's a bad sign for any Oklahoma fan. And I think Texas kept feeding off that. They, they definitely that front that front seven. Bobby played really good football. I thought Diamante Tucker Dorsey made himself more of a presence, especially in the second half when, when OU was trying to lean on the run a little bit more. But you're right. When, 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 the, when, when Farouk is leading the team in rushing, that's a successful day. Uh, for your defense. Yeah, I, I just can't. I, I'm looking at that stat, staring at it. Nine of 17 for 39 yards. I mean, this that's those are wishbone numbers. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. That's not, yeah. that's not, that's not that's a very Switzer game right there. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, I question for you. Two, two turnovers for the Longhorns. Jade Barron and Deshaun Jameson both get picks. Uh, that's good news. Uh, Texas only gave up one pick. Uh, 
talking about special teams, nothing special about it, really. Uh, Texas uh, did miss a field goal, but other than that, uh, they punted okay, uh, did not return much, not much return yardage from Worthy. So special teams, I think, was a draw for the most part. Uh, but Texas really dominated this game on both offense and defense. Uh, who is your defensive player of the game, Justin? The defensive player of the game is the guy that I really thought set the tone on the first two drives, and that was Jaron Thompson. He was so active in you know coming to the line of scrimmage from 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 the safety position, field safety. He's a guy that that really sets the tone. I think even when they went into the Wildcat in that second series, Jaron was the one that was on the back end, really trying to fix some of that, trying to get their fit a little more tight, so that, that they, they would have a little more gap control. Jaron was the one that was anticipating a lot of that. Not to mention the seven tackles, which tied for the team lead with Jalen Ford. I just thought Jaron set the tone. This is a kid that brought an attitude. He brought some hat. That's a worker from Lufkin, Texas. He came out the mud. MVP, JT. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going a, a little bit different. I'm going with Tavondre Sweat. Um, I thought Good Texas call. controlled the middle of the field and the, the middle of the defense. Um, Sweat led the team in tackles for loss. Uh, Byron Murphy, I think, and Keandre Coburn also might have had two as well. Uh, but Sweat just played a solid game. I saw him being very active, not just at right at his uh, line of scrimmage, but up and down the line of scrimmage. Uh, it was very interesting to watch him play uh, because he's a, he can be extremely, extremely talented when he really turns it on and, and keeps the motor going, uh, so to speak. Uh, Justin, recruiting. Uh, you and Jerry uh, Hamilton on Saturday both were texting recruits uh, for Inside Texas. We have a recruit reaction piece that went up yesterday uh, right after the game. What are your thoughts on the impact of this game uh, on recruiting? I have to stay consistent, Bobby. Even with the wins and losses, you know, one game doesn't usually affect a recruit's, you know, peripherals. He, he usually has an idea further down the line. It's more of a fan's you know, emotional reaction. Let's get that disclosure out of the way. This is this was a good game, and I'll tell you why. This was OU's hosting. And so any most of those recruits that were on, on deck were coming on OU's dime. You know, these were these were Oklahoma kids that they were pursuing. Jamel Johnson, safety from uh, Arlington Seguin. You know, Oklahoma's recruiting him openly. We went and saw him last week. Inside Texas got to go talk to him at Seguin. He was he was so great with me. He was open. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the game. Oklahoma's going to pay for it. You know, that's the type of game you want to win in that fashion with that type of recruitment. That So in that small example, I think you could see a, resi a residual effect. It's a long day, brother. And then what, what, what about what about Micah Hudson? I was going to tell uh, you, I was going to jump right to the the, the okay. highest ranked kid in the stadium. 2024 Lake Belton wide receiver Micah Hudson. This is a kid that's already been to two Texas football games, eager to come to this game as well. Micah and I were actually texting during the game. We text throughout the game. Yeah, you know, he was talking about some of the things he liked seeing. He loved Sark's play calling. He loved how they find mismatches with each one of the receivers. He loved how Quinn Ewers was spinning the ball. He imagined he was asking if Arch Manning was actually in the game or if there was any chance that he would be at any games because that's a guy that he would like to meet and, and potentially, you know, talk about catching passes from. So in this singular moment also, I felt like Texas 
gain some momentum. Now, granted, Oklahoma wasn't the school that you're really battling for Hudson. You're battling Texas A&M. You're battling Texas Tech. Ohio State's jumping in. Georgia and LSU are also trying to get visits. Clemson's definitely going to get a visit. So being a national guy in his regard, that's big. But him basically tell you know, he told us on the record, look, I came on OU side and it was so bad over there. He said, I walked over to the Texas side and I wound up hanging out with those guys. It was a lot better atmosphere and, and, and it was a lot more of a fun game. And you know what? He's just a kid and I don't blame him at all. But I, I'll tell you this, like I've said before, game to games don't make a big difference in recruiting more often than not. But in those two singular cases with Jamel Johnson being a guy that others are coming from Texas commit 2023, that's a good showing. And Micah Hudson, you couldn't have done it better. You couldn't have set it up better if you were hosting him for Micah Hudson. And that's a must get, Bobby. There are three to four must gets in the state of Texas for 2024. Micah Hudson, Lake Belton, Michael Uni, offensive lineman, Coppers Cove, and Kobe Black, cornerback, Waco Connolly. Those are three must gets. They're in a great position early on with Micah Hudson and Michael Uni. Let's see what they can do with Kobe Black in the next few weeks. What about, I got to ask you, uh, what about uh, Colton Vosick, uh, the defensive end, uh, pass rush specialist out of uh, Austin Westlake, who's committed to Oklahoma? He was at the game, I believe. Have we heard anything uh, as of uh, Sunday morning uh, on that situation? Nothing, nothing as of Sunday morning. Um, actually, we got a little bit. Uh, we, we got a little bit that, that we have posted that we had posted late. Um, just catching up with a couple close to him. Um, this is a kid that. You know, it wasn't you, know, you and I even talked about this, you know, for a, about a month or so. He was still talking to Texas, no matter how solid he said his commitment to Oklahoma was. He was still talking to Texas, not just the staff, but mainly those Westlake teammates, Bobby, those guys that, that joined him that are in Austin. Seeing Ethan Burke play early and being effective in what he was doing and having really good feedback from one of his best friends. That was starting to help. This was all happening before yesterday's blowout this was all coming together before so now you have to think OU's class is probably going to suffer a little bit there's going to be some hits because this this is a team that is likely looking at a three and nine finish to the season and so they're certainly going to lose some of those big guys in that class Colton Vosick has maintained his his connection with Texas I think there's something there um, I still think it'll probably stretch out further. I, I, I'm not sure if there's anything imminent, but I'll tell you this. He's he's looking. He's looking a lot harder than he was a couple months ago. And Texas really needs at least one. We've talked about this, at least one or two of those edge prospects in this 2023 cycle. It's not going to be Cecilia Kana, who's also still giving good feedback on Texas. Colton Vosick is a guy you want to get. I I can't believe that you just said that you think OU is going to go three and nine on the season. We'll we'll, re, we'll revisit that when Dylan Gabriel gets back underneath center for the for the Sooners. I want to say this, uh, Justin. Um, one thing I noticed, and, and this will impact recruiting, uh, in my opinion, uh, and that's that's the amount of young players that started playing a little bit today. Uh, in that fourth quarter, not only. Uh, were uh, not only were guys like Justice Finkley and Ethan Burke out there, uh, but there were guys uh, like Brennan Thompson, Savion Red. At one point, the entire offensive line in the fourth quarter were true freshmen. Jaden Blue had a nice run too. Yep, Jaden Blue had a nice run. There, uh, there were a lot of guys out there, um, and so 
Uh, I will say this of that freshman offensive line group, uh, DJ Campbell and Neto Umiozolo uh, look really, really good in limited action. Uh, and, and then Cam Williams looked pretty good too at <laughs> times as well. I, I tell you what, they've got some young offensive linemen, the Longhorns do, uh, that uh, are just about as good as you're going to find uh, if you add in Kelvin Banks, uh, the young man that starts at left tackle for the Longhorns, along with uh, right guard starter Cole Hudson. All right, uh, Justin, parting thoughts. Uh, Texas now four and two, headed to uh, back, headed back to DKR next week uh, for a home matchup against Iowa State. Your thoughts on that one? I think Texas is obviously a big boost coming off of a win like that. It, it, the magnitude you have to drag, you you got to use it now for momentum the rest of the season. I think they'll try to do that. They played really well at home, Bobby. They've played really well overall for the most part at home. I think Iowa State is a team that's not as sharp as they were they were the last few seasons. I think they're reeling a little bit, trying to figure out their best mode uh, moving forward. I think this is a game that you know Texas could get up early, get a, get another win kind of build up some of that momentum as they head down the, the stretch of Big 12 play, especially with some road games on the horizon. They can't look past that. Iowa State's a team that snuck up on them a handful of times the last four, five, six years. And so this is a team you got to pay attention to. I think they have a lot of momentum. I think a healthy Quinn Ewers is huge because the locker room once again knows who's the guy and who's going to be the leader, who's going to, you know, going to be the, the the general in charge. So my parting thought is, you couldn't leave Dallas any better. You just couldn't. I don't think you and I could have drawn up a better story, better script, better box score. You couldn't have left OU any better. But you don't want to lose that. You want to make sure you keep that, you know, keep that momentum. If Texas fans, which have been phenomenal, filling the stands this season, Bobby, if they show up like they've been showing up for these other games, and Texas puts it, it does what they do to, to Iowa State. This this season is going to be fun. The season's going to be a lot of fun, and I got to tell you, you and I are going to have a lot, lot more of these chats on on, on good times. <laughs> I, I tell you what, you, you're you're not wrong about that because I think that I, you know, I've been alive for 53 years, Justin. It's the first time the Longhorns. It's the biggest victory in in the uh, series history history for Texas over Oklahoma, 49 to nothing. Uh, what a game uh, for Texas uh, and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, one note that I wanted to mention, if you didn't watch the uh, post-game show uh, that Tommy Yarish said, and, and I don't know if you heard this yet or not, uh, Justin, because we didn't put it in our notes on the site, uh, but apparently the fans uh, after the game were chanting Sark, Sark, Sark after the game. Pretty good. They, they, like, uh, they like the young coach, uh, but we'll have to see if that continues uh, as uh, the Longhorns go forward. Uh, big win uh, in in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, absolutely huge. I, I want to say thank you one last time to our sponsor, Bertolotis Rodman. Uh, it's about the relationships at Bertolotis Rodman. Uh, the full-service firm specializes in business and real estate law, satisfying the needs of a startup uh, and complex negotiations in larger companies. To every contract needed in between, Bertolotis and Rodman develops lasting, meaningful relationships that puts their clients first. The horns are four and two. And they look like a team to be contended with. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, for Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching.